Our communion meditation is from uh, Zechariah chapter 13. And actually, we'll, we'll read a few more verses to sort of get a, a, a head start on this. We'll start at Zechariah 12, verse 10, and then we'll end at chapter 13, verse 2. And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. In that day, there, there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning at Hadad Rimmon in the plain of Megiddo. And the land shall mourn and every family by itself, the family of the house of David by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Nathan by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of the house of Levi by itself and their wives by themselves, the family of Shimei by itself and their wives by themselves, and all the families that remain, every by itself and their wives by themselves. In that day, a fountain shall be opened for the house of David and for the inhabitants of Jerusalem, for sin and for uncleanness. It shall be in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols from the land, and they shall no longer be remembered. I will also cause the prophets and the unclean spirits to depart from the land. Let's pray. Father, please bless us with clarity and accuracy in meditating on your word and give us faith to put it to use today as we come to your table. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the title of today's communion meditation is Christ, Our Fountain. In our communion meditations, we've been looking at symbols and types of Christ in the Old Testament that have been fulfilled in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. So today, that symbol is a fountain. And our text comes in the midst of some very interesting prophecies about Christ in the book of Zechariah. Well, let me just give you some of those. We have in the book of Zechariah the, the mention of the messianic branch in chapters 3 and chapter 6. Chapter 9 talks about Jesus as king coming on a donkey. Chapter 11, we have the reference to the 30 shekels of silver. Chapter 12 talks about judgment, all nations coming against Jerusalem. Chapter 13, verse 7 says this, Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And chapter 14, verses 8 through 9 says this, In that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them towards the eastern sea and half of them toward the western sea, and both summer and winter it shall occur, and the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And in that day it shall be, The Lord is one and his name one. So in the midst of all of these discussions about the coming Messiah, we have our verse today. Verse 13:1 about the fountain. Now, fountains are one of my favorite things. I don't think I've ever met anybody who doesn't love a fountain. Now today when we think of fountains, often we think of the artificial kind for for beauty, the one that's typically recirculating water by an electric pump. 
Um, there's also champagne fountains, and we even have a chocolate fountain in our house. But the fountain here is more of a baseline definition. It's a source of water that is continually going. It's a source, but it's a source that's coming to the surface, coming at you in a really neat way, just a natural water source. A number of years ago, I took Ethan and John Cole on a camping trip with me. I can't remember exactly where it went, but I think it was up around where the Duffs used to be, um, or at least, well, you guys weren't that far, but I think it may have been Neobrara State Park. I can't remember. But anyway, a friend at work told me about this place that you could go and you could camp, and there was an artesian well. And it, it, it started this nice, beautiful, little cool stream. And it was wonderful, clean, clear water. We swam in it, and we fished, and we caught trout in it. And that's the idea, I think, of a fountain. Now, the fountain mentioned here in Zechariah is a purifying fountain. In the verse, we, we read in, in the last part of verse 1, for sin and for uncleanness. In other words, it's, it will wash away sin and wash away uncleanness. You get the same kind of concept in Ezekiel 35, 25, a familiar verse to us. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Now, in the New Testament... It doesn't say anywhere directly that Jesus is a fountain, but we have good reason to believe that this fountain here is talking about Jesus. First of all, we saw that the whole context is talking about Jesus and the coming Messiah in a number of ways. And when we get to the New Testament, although we don't have a direct mention of Jesus as a fountain, we have Jesus acting as a fountain, bringing water, clean water, everlasting water. We see this in John 4, the woman at the well, and John chapter 7, which we'll read later. It's also related to the Holy Spirit. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit and works with them in our salvation. Titus 3, 5, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So it's good to think about that water coming in and its relation to the Holy Spirit, but it's also good to think about this purification coming from Jesus' blood. It's Jesus' blood that was pure, that was provided for us. In Revelation 1.5, we read this. And Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his blood. It's a very powerful illustration. It brings to mind the historic reality of Christ's blood. William Cooper uh, wrote this familiar hymn that we love. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains. So we are washed in Jesus' blood. But Jesus is, as a fountain is not just about personal salvation. This fountain that is for sin and, unclean, and un, uh, uncleanness is also extended to the land. Look at, let's read verse 2. 
And it shall be in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will cut off the names of the idols of the, from the land, and they shall no longer be remembered. I will also cause the prophets and the unclean spirit to depart from the land. God says he's going to clear the land of idols and calls false prophets and unclean spirits to depart from the land. And we, and we need to see this part of Jesus' work. Now, there's a confession that has to come with this, and, and you could see that in verse 9. We won't talk about that today, but Jesus as a fountain is cleansing the land. He says, depart from the land. The verse that we read earlier from chapter 14 talks about the living waters going out through the whole world. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth, bit by bit. Fountain going out. Now, there's one more aspect of Jesus as a fountain, and, and, and we'll end with this. Turn with me to John chapter 7. John 7. Not only does Jesus as a fountain cleanse us in salvation, and not only is he cleansing the land, but his grace in a fountain allows us to minister to others. Let's pick it up in verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Because Jesus is a fountain, and he gives us his water, makes us new. Then we become righteous in his sight through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now we can worship. Now we can glorify his name publicly. We can bless others. We're capable of good works. We can pray for each other. We can bring the gospel. We can overcome besetting sins. We can love in a sacrificial way that is pleasing to him. We can grow and become more Christ-like but we have to drink of him. Jeremiah gives, gives a warning and an exhortation. I'll just read this. This comes from Jeremiah chapter two. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Right now, all around the world, at this moment, there are natural fountains bringing forth a steady supply of water, some of them thousands of gallons a minute. Jesus' blood has cleansed us and is cleansing us. It is bringing us the living water, eternal water. So today we commune with Christ, our fountain, and with each other as he has become a fountain in us. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for creating natural fountains. And we thank you as our supernatural fountain with living water. Help us drink deeply from you and then to work with the Holy Spirit in us to bless you and each other as we commune with, with you. In Jesus' name, amen.